to get here to Carolina and to find a channel and people who were willing to funnel me toward the appropriate people and to have a chance to be a part of the storied program, nobody can ever take that from me. And I am so blessed to have been a part of something in this area where basketball is king. How many people would give their left and maybe their right arm to sit where I sit for a game, to have had the associations and experiences that I've had over that span of times? Freddie Kiger grew up with Carolina basketball. For a kid who lived on Tobaccoville Road in North Carolina, it's fitting that he spent nearly 50 years telling the stories of Tar Heels players and coaches. At basketball games, you can see him sitting at the scorer's table. There, he's using statistics as an associate producer to tell what's happening in Atlantic Coast Conference games and the context around them for the TV broadcasts. Usually, it's for ESPN broadcasts, but he's worked with CBS, NBC, and other networks too. Stats tell a lot of stories about how teams prepare, how individuals prepare, how they execute, trends. Every game is just a series of anecdotes, how things respond, how people respond. So the statistics tell, not just about, if you will, a barometric pressure or reading for a team and a coach, but it reflects one person's ascension, another person's bad game, failure to execute, coaches' philosophies. It is interesting to look at numbers and to understand that it says a great deal about who's putting those numbers down and how they are executing and how they are showing a slice of their own preparation and execution through those numbers. Welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast. I'm your host, Will Reimer. Carolina hosts Duke on Saturday in the greatest rivalry in sports. Freddie's seen about a hundred of those games. On today's episode, he'll tell us some of the stories he's accumulated over the years. But first, he'll tell us his story. Freddie enrolled at Carolina in 1970 and majored in history. He got his master's in history from Carolina in 1977 and likes a joke that you don't have to study journalism to work in sports television. But his route to TV is definitely a little different. For him, it starts with intramurals. I was a huge intramural junkie when I was here at Carolina. I lived in Teague Dorm, Anson Dorrance. Anson and I played on several teams together. We won like nine consecutive intramural overall championships. It became a thing of pride for Teague Dorm. To this day, if you ask Anson the great dynasties in his life, he'll tell you first was the Teague dynasty, and second, he'll tell you it's, of course, his own dynasty, which is remarkable. Because he was so involved in intramurals, Freddie was approached by a faculty member in the Department of Physical Education, Ron Hyatt, to be an official. Doing well in that, he was asked to be the assistant supervisor of intramural officials. And my mentor to teach me how to work in that particular role was a guy by the name of Roy Williams, who was the supervisor of intramural officials. And even to this day, I still remember Roy as extremely intense. He was very committed to his role as a supervisor and, of course, his ties with Coach Smith and the JV program and sitting in practices are legendary. From his experience as the assistant supervisor of officials, 
Freddie's name came across the desks of Dean Smith and Bill Guthridge. He applied for a position to keep statistics for the men's basketball team. They accepted and uh, it began this four-year practice or four-year wonderful opportunity to be a part of something extremely special. I kept statistics one season after I had left Carolina and was teaching as a junior high school history teacher in the eighth grade in 1978. A very convoluted, circuitous route, but I had fun each step of the way. A long, circuitous journey that was really just getting started. Freddie then kept statistics for Carolina football, and the Tar Heel Sports Network, then WCHL. Each opportunity led to another. Then, he was working with major networks on big events, like the Olympics, the X Games, and others. But those events, he says, can't really compare to a Carolina game against Duke. You tell me two other schools in this country that are eight miles, nine miles apart, who have the storied reputation of excellence and success, I don't know of any. I mean, Duke's got five national championships, NCAA. Carolina has six, and then, of course, seven if we count the 1924 team, as voted by the Helms Foundation back in 1924. Let's just talk about NCAA titles. You're talking about two schools, eight miles apart, who have won 11 national championships. That's staggering. That is unbelievable. And then you start talking about the intensity and the bragging rights incredible ebullience and depression roll off of those matchups each time that Duke and North Carolina play one another. And of course, there is the pride of coaching staffs. Who doesn't want to beat North Carolina? Or who doesn't want to beat Duke because of the reputation of both programs? It's an incredibly unique experience. And to the fans who berate Duke and hope they never win another game, and to the Duke fans who hope Carolina never wins another game, we need each other to be good because that's the basis of this incredible, unique thing, this phenomenon that we have that cannot be shared, is not shared, by practically everybody in this entire country. Throughout his time working with ESPN, Freddie's also had chances to share what makes this rivalry so special. This was a tease that I had the good fortune to be able to write for Carolina Duke over in Cameron on March the 6th, 2004. And I'll try to read it as I hoped Mike Patrick would have voiced it. Each day, each event, measured in hours, minutes, seconds, and then lost to eternity. A precious few are not. They linger, committed to memory, treasured. This rivalry is just that, timeless. Many of the rivalry's moments still linger in his mind, but nothing has topped the second Duke Carolina game he worked as part of the Tar Heel basketball staff. That game was on March 2nd, 1974. Down eight points in 17 seconds with no three-point shot. Pretty incredible. Well, I was keeping statistics for Coach Smith, so I had some sort of, quote, professional decor I had to maintain. But I'm sitting there with John Justice, who became a longtime sports information officer at Wake Forest. We still chuckle about those particular days and time. But we were seated at courtside, and I had pretty much resigned myself. We were going to lose to Duke. Woody Durham was already setting the tables for what was going to be the ACC tournament in Greensboro and where Carolina was going to be seated. And then 
everything that could go wrong for Duke did and everything that could possibly have gone right for Carolina did. Bobby Jones hits two free throws, steal, basket, another steal inbounds from a Duke player, basket by Carolina, foul of a Duke player who the season before had been one of the ACC's leading free throw shooters, misses the front end of a one-and-one, and Coach Smith in the huddle, down two, three seconds left. Ah, boys, isn't this fun? And we're all so we're chuckling. Sure enough, Mitch Kupchak, sideline fast break. Walter Davis, who didn't go to the spot he was supposed to, but he catches the ball, turns a couple of dribbles, and throws up about a 25-foot prayer, and it was a prayer. And it went through the hoop, and I thought Carmichael's roof was going to collapse. Unbelievable. And, and that's crazy. There's been so many incredible basketball games between Duke Carolina, but that one still. I can't say a whole lot about the first uh, 39 minutes and 43 seconds, but the last 17 and then the overtime was unbelievable drama. Hollywood couldn't script what happened in those last 17 seconds. Of all the memories and emotions that stay with Freddie from his involvement with the basketball team, his favorite thing is the relationships he's built along the way. Day after day in practice and seeing those guys and knowing them not as basketball players, not first, but as friends, and we still are. And that's the beauty of Carolina basketball because those friendships and relationships cross generations. If you're a part of the Carolina basketball family, I know it's talked about all the time. It truly is a family. I'm not a brother in there. I'm a cousin. But I like being a cousin, and I truly am flattered, honored, and appreciative that I'm still included when things are such that all those guys get together to be invited to some things, to be with people who have been successful and good people. Every day is Christmas when I'm doing that. It's good. And of course, the patriarch of that family is Coach Dean Smith. Coach Smith was truly unique and what Roy says constantly about him is very, very true. As fantastic a coach as he was, he was a better human being. And in the long run, yes, Carolina basketball is very special, but I think most of those people would want to be known as a good person first. Freddie likes using stats to tell stories, but as you can probably tell, he also just likes telling stories. He got that love of history and stories from traveling with his dad, who was a World War II veteran. Freddie would travel all over the country with his dad. Beckley, West Virginia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Knoxville, Tennessee, for his dad's army reunions. And I would sit in the back of these Holiday Inn rooms listening to all these stories from all these men of the 331st Infantry Regiment that came ashore at Omaha Beach and battled their way across France and worked and fought and lived and too many of their colleagues died, I would be fascinated. And so there is no question that history for me through my father's experiences was never the memorization of dates and names. It was always stories. History is a series of stories. Put the stories together and tell it that way, and usually it sticks. 
That's what Freddie did as a junior high, middle school, and high school history teacher. He retired from Chapel Hill and Carborough City Schools in 1997, but he's still using statistics to tell stories during basketball games. He also weaves stories together to reveal history as part of a lecture series through the General Alumni Association. So here we are in 2020, and I'm still plugging along. But that's the beauty of history, as I get to pick topics that allow me to stay engaged, that keep me energized. And I get to construct those lectures into stories and share that with people who want to be there. I enjoy it. I love what I do. I have a lot of friends who will come back in town and ask, so you're retired and you're, no. Yes, I'm retired from Chapel Hill Carborough City School System. But why would I stop doing what I'm doing as far as working with ESPN and the networks and stop my digging into U.S. history and to people of interest because I enjoy it? Why? Why would I want to stop that? No, I'm still enjoying myself. So when Carolina hosts the Blue Devils Saturday and the latest installment of the rivalry, you can be sure to see him at the scores table, relaying valuable information to the broadcasters. And Freddie says current Carolina students can learn a lot from his career. Every day is a journey, and that's the best part. It's never really the arrival at any destination, but the journey has been wonderful. And not just about history, not just about sports. I don't think really a whole lot about the past. I treasure it. I embrace it. But the past hopefully allows you to be prepared for what's coming. Every day I wake up, I am excited about what opportunities may be presented each day, each week. You know, you think when you're 20 or 21 or 22, you got it all figured out. Oh, my goodness. Now, I think students are far more prepared because of all the opportunities to gain insight and to ask questions and find out who you are, what you are, and what you might want to do than perhaps when I was in school. But open your mind, accept and enjoy what you have, and don't be surprised and look forward to what the future may hold. The journey is the most wonderful part of what we have because it doesn't end. It's the reason why when I usually email people, rather than my last sentence ending in a period, I use an ellipsis, dot, 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 because there's more to be explored and there's more to be discussed and the conversation will hopefully continue. Life is an ellipsis. Look forward to what's coming and don't close yourself off. And don't be afraid of change. We're approaching the end of this podcast episode. But if you want to hear more from Freddie, you should attend one of the lectures in his NC History series through the General Alumni Association. You can find more information and register to attend the lecture on their website, alumni.unc.edu. The NC History series is under things to do and lifelong learning. Of course, the Well Said podcast is like an ellipsis, too. So we'll see you next week.